Welcome to Fetch Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on fetch-europe.eu. Welcome to the next episode of what is going to be the FAPS Talks, arranged in a very unusual circumstances because we have audiovisual material and not only the audio material. But I think it's very much legitimized, taking into account an extraordinary person we have with us, Benedicta Lassi. She is the Secretary General of Socialist International, entrusted very recently in November by the Congress of Socialist International to, together with Pedro Sanchez, uh, put the organization on the new road to greatness. Uh, so much needed, uh, so much desired in the complex times we are living in. Welcome to the Fab Stocks. Thank you very much, Anja. Um, it's a pleasure to join you um, here in Poland um, over the past couple of days. And um, I'm happy to be on the, having this conversation with you. I think that, yes, you're indeed right about the new rebirth of the Socialist International. As you would know, the Socialist International has evolved over the years. Um, even the International, as we have it now, started many, many years ago. Before 1951, we had the Socialist International currently constituted um, formed. So I think as an organization, we are used to these renewals. I'm glad and privileged to be actually having been elected with the President Pedro Sanchez and the rest of the Presidium last November. I think that it is an honor to be in this position, but it's also a huge responsibility. A collective one, for instance, uh, when you look at all the leadership that we have across the world, we are committed to coming up with our priority areas and chatting a new course for the Socialist International. So in the coming years, it's going to be very exciting, I would promise, uh, that it's not a question of whether we are certain of putting in place changes. We've already started this process, and what we want to see is um, how we work with partners like, like FEPS and other regional and international organizations in achieving our goals. Thank you so much. Uh, you sort of anticipated my next question, I'd say. Um, I think for everybody who is uh, watching and listening to us, uh, there might be a question about, right, Socialist International, the longest existing organization of that type, uh, some issues in the recent years, now the new beginning, fresh start. What's behind? What's really the drive? I mean, we all know uh, about the complex global situation, but how would you describe why social democratic parties found that this is the moment that right now it is important to give this push, to give those impulses, to invest energy in recreating and making Socialist International an organization to serve and be significant in the modern times? Yes, I think if you look at the impact that the organization have had over the years, I think um, it is without doubt that we as a, as a political family has a huge responsibility ahead of us um, given current uh, global challenges we're facing, um, either with climate, either with the issues of peace and security, um, also with democracy in uh, um, some parts of the world, and also the, the cost of living crisis, for instance. It actually um, sets a very clear agenda for or maps out our work for us quite easily. And I think that given that our political family is, is the one that actually has its tenants as putting a focus on 
people-centered governance and making the interest and well-being of people being the center pillar for whatever we do. I think that it's, it, it is important that we are able to not just have this as the rhetoric during electoral campaigns and whatnot, but coming together and strengthening our network to ask ourselves the very difficult questions of how do we translate the rhetoric into concrete policy responses to address the current ongoing. Um, If you look at, for instance, the economic challenges that we are facing, it has given rise to some populist movements around the world who proclaim that they have the answers to uh, these challenges. But we know that it's more for political purposes and we have not seen the improvement in the livelihoods of people, in the working conditions of workers. And so as socialists, as social democrats, we have this responsibility to now stand up and say enough is enough. We know that there's a need for reforms, but what do we do as political parties to reform within, as an international organization, to reform within, to then be able to put forward these priority areas and and policy alternatives for the people to see that we are really, really people-centered in our policies, not just for rhetorical purposes, but in our actions and in what makes us unique when it comes to political grouping, for instance. So I see issues like the economic crisis as not just an opportunity to give a response to the issues, but it's also a way to sort of prompt the progressive forces globally that we need to work together. We are fragmented. Um, If you look at the left, there are several divisions and different variants of our political movement. Yes, it is important that in a democratic process, people have the right to come together and if they decide to walk away from a particular grouping for one reason or the other, or that they have differences in opinions on particular policy issues, they have the right to put those sort of agenda on the table and rally people around that. But what we are seeing is that the increased fragmentation is actually um, weakening our fronts and affecting our political or electoral chances for us to be able to offer the leadership and the people-centered governance that we need in many of the countries. You've mentioned a lot of important criteria for the Socialist International to succeed, and I can only second what you said at the beginning of the conversation. It's a mammoth, a giant, really, task with lots of expectations and lots of responsibility. But in order to deliver, because that was one of the criteria you've just been addressing more, evidently you need to be able to govern, as you said. Socialist International is uh, operating on the global level. You've mentioned fragmentation, but evidently we have very difficult circumstances. You've mentioned the energy crisis, food crisis is of course the one, but also the brutal aggression of Russia on Ukraine, which results in the questions about uh, no longer having the multilateralism as a doctrine. Now, uh, you know, being inside of the social democratic movement, I of course cherish very much the hope that Socialist International is the organization that will rise to the challenge of reforming the uh, uh, international governance system. But my question to you, not a small one, is how is the strategy of Socialist International uh, looking? Especially that, as you said, we are not only divided, but we also have very different capacities on the governmental level. I mean, in Europe, some of the social democratic parties are not doing that well to be in the government. So, you know, how do we build this power to get the primacy of progressive politics on the global level? 
I think if you look at one of our strengths, which is um, activism, we've used activism as a tool to really get our agenda setting um, goals um, from the get-go. Now, our work currently is one that is requires a lot more cooperation, not just at continental levels, but at the global scale. Now, indeed, we need to be in power, we need to have government to then be able to influence this process. But I also think that in as much as we have a number of uh, parties and governments and we are hoping that in the upcoming elections, um, we have elections in uh, Turkey and some other countries in the coming weeks and months, we are hoping that we can have a lot of our parties winning power around the world and then be able to, through governance systems, um, push for reforms in the, in the UN. But I also think that given our history with the UN and the impact that the organization has had in um, a lot of the political issues, whether it's in Eastern Europe, in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America, I think that our voice is strong enough when it comes to engagement with the official structures of the UN. And the UN itself has acknowledged the need for, for some reforms. And I think these are the broader conversations that our cooperation with other associated organizations of the Socialist International and also other partners that we've worked with in the past and new partners that we are working with, we are trying to drive this um, conversation and rallying progressive forces globally to have some of these very difficult conversations that in the past maybe we would have shied away from, but finding constructive ways of engaging and creating that platform for cooperation and asking the very important questions of how do we strengthen multilateralism to give people confidence that global governance systems are actually implemented or are established and are working in the interest of the people and not against the interest of the people. Because if you look at, for instance, the European projects, those who the critics have made a case that it's undermining um, national sovereignty and has a negative impact on a country's ability to achieve certain basic rights and freedoms. But it is, we know it is more extremist populist institutions or political parties that are actually campaigning on this um, with this message. And it is through our cooperation, it's through our work with our partners in the various countries that we strengthen the message of multilateralism and the importance of, of cooperation. Uh, Socialist International was formed on that basis. The values of the Socialist International is actually embedded in the spirit of cooperation. It's embedded in the spirit of working together as uh, political parties that believe in a political ideology of social democracy. It's working with political parties, not just on one continent, but in other continents, and saying that, yes, we know that there are national perspectives, there's a national contest to some of the issues, but there's the need for us to have some foundational basis for cooperation and setting some priority areas that affect everybody, because the current challenges that the world faces cannot be solved by one country. And so this cooperation is not just for the the interest of a few countries, but 
it is for the interest of the whole world. And we must begin to highlight that the cooperation must be mutually beneficial. We must begin to have conversations and the global south must have the confidence that cooperation and bilateral engagement and these platforms for cooperation are actually beneficial to them as global south and not just to a few powers or countries that have the influence to impact these conversations. So yes, there's a need for us to strengthen multilateralism, but there's also the need for us to reform our approach to multilateralism. And I think this is, this is something that we need to look at as international organizations that are trying to rebuild the confidence of the people, that trust in politics, that trust that political parties or international organizations are key to the development of a people must be reinforced through our reforms and our reframing of the concept of multilateralism. I think you've mentioned a lot of important elements that sort of uh, leave no doubt why Socialist International now, what agenda. Uh, you spoke very clearly about the choices that need to be made for the multilateral order to work. Solidarity, one world, sustainable development. I mean, things uh, that may have been repeated many times, but haven't been yet realized, not at, to the level that, uh, you know, we could say at least we are halfway. Lots of work to be done. But in order to gear this and in order to sort of change the course of politics, I mean, we see a lot of different influences. I've mentioned the, uh, the global context. We also see the uh, sort of a silent return to the neoliberal doctrine there and there. Uh, you know, populism you've mentioned as the dangers to democracy. In order to fight it all back, uh, the political parties certainly need to provide uh, the tools for empowerment. You are in Warsaw uh, for the Innovation of Politics workshop predominantly. Uh, thank you very much for also combining uh, the next left uh, within your agenda. You come yourself from the youth movement, uh, um, a veteran of the International Union of Socialist Youth as well. So I cannot help not to ask you the question, how do we really innovate our parties? How do we make them the modern organizations that uh, people say, yes, this is a exactly what the modern political civic involvement is about. And to that end, I will just uh, hang this question here. How do we convince young people that engaging in social democratic organization is the coolest thing I can do? I think that um, the, the answer to your question lies in the question itself. I think political parties um, have been very important in, our, in the democratic process and it's It's been the framework within which competitive um, politics as well as um, policy making has um, it's sort of fashioned around. Now, given the importance of political parties, one would assume that the political parties would go through this constant process of reforms to better deliver on this mandate. But what we've seen is that political parties and traditional political parties, I would highlight, it's, um, have been very sort of stuck in the, the defined structures that was previously set of having membership, having leadership of the membership, and going into elections, um, having a team of uh, people designing what um, policies should be implemented, then having a campaign team running the campaign and informing citizens of what the political party wants to do when it's in government. 
I think that we are increasingly seeing that that has to change because it is not yielding the results that we we want to see in our elections. If you look at the current political system, we have seen a lot of populist movements that have actually been based on protest movements. So we are seeing the birth of new political parties that are basically um, coming out of protest movements that have been transformed into political parties, which in the past has also been the case. But currently what we are saying is that it's more like a single issue movement or movement based on single issues um, than coming into as a political party and then going into an election and, and rallying people around that single issue. It has not been the most productive engagements, but what we are seeing is that a lot more young people tend to be engaged on some of those and social engagements that has led to the birth of some of these new parties. And it, it, it then begs the question, what should political parties do to be engaged and to be responsive to the needs of the people and also to be carrying the people with them, not in a way of just informing people of what they want to do. I think what has led to this challenge is also the issue of the changes we've seen in our in our society, in our social relations, in our communal engagements, where now it's more individualistic. In-person engagement is very limited. Technology also created a situation where we are having increased engagements, but most of them are online. So the traditional understanding of political parties' work and having a fixed membership and expecting the fixed membership or membership to just guarantee the vote is not working. So for political parties to then say, how do we catch on? How do we get young people to to be involved? I think we have to go back to the whole process of uh, political parties' engagement with the people. What we've seen is that political parties have had this um, tendency of just informing people of what they want to do. So rather than the top-down approach, we have to switch it to a down engagement with with the the grassroots. Let's give power to the grassroots. Let's give power to the branches and empower them to engage people more, to get the needs of the people fed into what the national agenda of of the parties are. Let's also see that our political parties are more engaged on social media, for instance. It isn't just the case that once you go to social media, you would um, get the support you need um, during an election cycle. It has to be a process of constant engagement with your members and empowering the grassroots to also lead in in the engagement with the grassroots. We don't have to wait for our party leadership to come to a particular municipality before the party is organized. Young people want a channel to engage. They want to be involved in the process. But what we are seeing is that increasingly, political parties are waiting until elections to then engage. And so the policymaking must be turned from top to down, and those feedbacks, those engagements with the people must then feed into what the national agenda is. So we have to, in short, move from informing to engaging. Brilliant final conclusion. Thank you very much, Benedicta Lassi, Secretary General of Socialist International for the open, modern and engaging movement. All the best of luck to you. Thank you you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, 
Do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned. <laughs>